Welcome to another episode of Grace Unfolding. Uh, we have a special guest with us here today, a very scary, frightening guest. Oh, we, we just uh, discovered the irony here that it is the 13th episode of Grace Unfolding, and we're recording on Friday the 13th. It could be it could be a little bit spooky today, guys. This guy's very spooky that we have on the show. Uh, I know, I know. We got we got a special guest, and he's got a lot of tattoos, <laughs> and uh, he's got a long beard, and uh, and we love him. And many of you at our church uh, know him really well, and it's Derek Notarangelo. So, Derek, thanks for joining us. No problem. Thanks for having me, John. Why, why did we invite? Why did we invite Derek here? Yeah, so Derek uh, came to faith recently. I'll let him get into that um, in his story. But we we we've been trying to have as many people on our uh, podcast from the church. We had Marilyn on uh, to kind of give her story. Give yeah, her the cone. The cones shared the cones. some of their their, their yeah. story. We'd love to hear more. Um, yeah, so I think we're gonna try and you know you know locate uh, a few more. We all kind of know each other a little bit, but this is a good way for us to kind of get in deeper in the lives of the people that we see on Sundays that you know perhaps we don't we don't know their full story. So yeah. we figured Derek would be a good good guest to have on. He's um, I listened to him tell his testimony recently, and he does a fantastic job at that. So I think that you guys will all. Um, benefit from hearing what what I've already heard. Yeah, yeah. I know Derek. Uh, Derek's somewhere in your, I guess, early 30s, but uh, there's a lot that, that happened uh, prior to you coming to the, the rebirth of, of Christ. And uh, and even in our, our church, I met Derek probably uh, maybe uh, maybe 10 years ago, um, 10 plus years ago. And, uh, and it, uh, you know, it, it's, I would not have anticipated, but by God's providence, uh, and uh, lots of answered prayer. You're here. Tell us how that even. How, how how did you end up at Grace? You obviously came a few times uh, over the years, but you know now you're now you're like a living, uh, wonderful presence, welcoming people at our church, and we're grateful for that. Jesus chased me down and cut my life down piece by piece, making him realize he's mm-hmm. everything I need. Mm-hmm. I had to destroy that house to build a firm foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, praise praise God. Uh, for those who don't know, Derek's parents are uh, Jack and Kim, and uh, they came to faith uh, and uh, and joined our church right right soon after uh, the year after we had planted uh, Grace Presbyterian and began public worship and uh, and we early on you know learned a part of their story uh, your younger brother was part of our church um, prior to heading off to college and we prayed regularly for uh, for Derek and uh, and for him to know Christ and I don't know some of the story what what was what was going through your mind when you saw your parents. You know, uh, deciding to prioritize God's word, following Christ, going to church. So I was at college at the time when I found Jesus. Uh, they were having some marriage difficulties. And um, then Jesus chased my dad down and it just flowed right to my mom. And they say the mm. faith of one man can change a whole family. And that certainly started with <laughs> my dad, went to my mom, went to my little brother, and then went to me. Mm. And uh, what were you thinking during those those years when they'd say, "Hey, Derek, open up the Bible with us. Come to church with us." I ran the other way. <laughs> I literally, I literally ran the other way. My my dad was like, "Derek, do you remember when I would talk to you about God and you would literally be like, oh, 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 and run away?" Hmm. And I I literally just didn't want to hear it because I was just so stuck in my ways that their uh, the way they changed. From talking to acting, hmm. temper, everything, just totally changed. The, you can the see, you, you can see, you can see their relationship change. How old were you when when they became believers? 
Do you, or how roughly? Like Eleven years ago. Okay. Right? Yeah. Something like that. So I was probably. I thought I was younger than that. I thought I was around like <clears throat> twenty, twenty-one. But you were an adult. Like you, you, so you had known them growing. You were up. off. The, you were off to college, starting. You know, starting to think about next stage of life, but still, still, you know, seeing them on a regular basis and witnessing some of that change. Yeah, it was certainly different. But what made your what what was the what was the most enticing thing to you? What was the 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 God you were serving? Little G, of course, not Big G. The God I was serving. Yeah. Idols. Mm, yeah. Drugs, alcohol, lust. Mm-hmm. It's trifecta, and when I went to parties, all three were there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it just became a way of life, and it just slowly started becoming drinking. I drank to get drunk. I didn't drink because I liked the taste of alcohol. I drank because I liked the effects of alcohol mm-hmm. when I had a lot. And um, I didn't really have any trouble until, like, this is probably right around my parents became Christian. As I was trying to make an excuse to leave a Christmas Eve party at my cousin's to go get weed. And on my way there, I'm driving with, like, one eye shut. I'm texting the guy, and I look up. My I put my phone down, and I look up, and there's a car right in front of me, and I swear to the left, but I smash into the car. Mm. And somehow, I still got my weed and went home, and my mother noticed I had one headlight out, noticed I was hammered. I somehow didn't get pulled over, which is unbelievable. It's like 11.30 at night on Christmas Eve. Mm. There's cops. I went through Rockland Center. And the police station is on the street of Rockland Center, I think. Right right down the street from there. Wow. And Rockland's not very big. My mother, this is Jesus working through my mother, she goes, we're going back down there. And I'm like, I can't go down there. To where the accident happened? Yeah. Oh, wow. And she was like, well, I'll drive, but we're leaving your name and insurance number, phone number, all that, all the information so they can contact you tomorrow. They contacted me tomorrow. But they were, they were really mad. Yeah. But I wasn't in jail. I didn't have a felony from a hit and run. I didn't have a DUI. I, by the grace of God, yeah, was, mercy. Wow. I went to bed and woke up in my house, and then later on, I had another run in with cops. I got pulled over on my street at one o'clock in the morning, and the cop coincidentally grew up in the house that I lived in so he let me go and it's just like another by the grace of God moment I am not in jail I don't get a DUI but that conviction Hmm. I didn't even see the conviction of Jesus chasing me down because for the next like three or four years he would stop in front of my house Thursday Friday Saturday night one o'clock two o'clock three o'clock in the morning Stop right in front of my driveway and then take off. And he was probably saying, I'm going to get you at some point. <sighs> but it was either God saying, I'm going to get you at some point, or the cop saying, I'm going to get you at some point. But eventually God got me. Those years where you're like, you, you know, you're you're making money, you're spending it, you're you're trying to find ways to, you know, to escape through substances. If someone were to pin you down and say, why do you do this? What would you say at that point? Or what would you think or to, to articulate an answer to that? 
I I was so out of touch with God's point of view that I just said, this is what everyone else does. It's mm-hmm. fine. Oh, I see. It's what my friends do. And sure enough, I didn't know down the road, if I still got sober, all those friends would stop messaging me, stop hanging out with me, stop asking to hang out with me. They disappeared. Wow. And just because the whole world does it doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Amen. Yeah, a lot of wisdom there. Well, tell us some more. You know, you have these run-ins with the, you know, with with law enforcement, but don't you know? You, but God's merciful. Uh, how do how do things progress? Yeah. What, what were you doing for work at this time too? And what was you know kind of going on in your world? I did granite countertops for five years, from twenty-five to thirty. I went on every Thursday night. I went and hung over every Friday. If there was an hour ride, I would be sleeping in the back of the truck. And people just saw it. And then when COVID hit, I got laid off. I was living at this place in Pembroke. And the party was there. Mm. The party was there. The people were there. The drugs were there. The women were there. The alcohol was a quarter mile away from my house. And the only place open was a liquor store. Yeah. And... Like, what else do I do? I would work out in the morning, sweat out the hangover, and then drink. Mm-hmm. And then when summer hit, summer hit hard, really hard. I had I had the party place. I had a pool. This is back in 2020, you know, right? right yeah, 2020, COVID. epic, like, center of COVID. And um, drug dealers. Are there alcohol's there, women's there. I live there, so I can just get hammered out of my mind and then just go to bed if I really want to. But then my roommate got so sick of everyone just partying all the time. Like, I'm 30 years old now, he's trying to settle down. And he's he told me, He's like, I'm gonna boot the other two guys out, but you're gonna stay. And then I'm like, Oh, sweet, that means I can do whatever I want. Not the case. He was like, you're out, too. Mm-hmm. I want this place to myself. I've had this house for 10 years, and I've had roommates the whole time. I just want to have the house to myself. So I go back to my parents' house. and I go back to my parents' house, I'm still stuck in this whole lifestyle of going on benders every weekend, staying up for three days. And mm-hmm. I would go, sometimes four days. I would go out on Thursday. I'd call out at work on Friday, come home Sunday night, looking like a wreck because I didn't sleep for four days. Mm-hmm. And um, so what we it was uh, it's just like piece by piece my life just started falling apart from my health to my finances to my friends, and then my best friend got on my case. This is when the hmm. change starts happening. Because you were wanting change, I'm guessing. Like there were times not 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 in the throes of the weekend, but come Monday when you're like, man, this is. Were there moments that you just thought... I didn't. I honestly didn't. Really? And, yeah. I didn't even look at it like that. I thought everyone else was the problem. And, uh... But then when my best friend if got someone, my someone else wanted you to change, you'd be like, you change. I don't want to change. Yeah, I would stop hanging out with them. I see. Mm-hmm. And... But my best friend, Keenan, everywhere I went, he went. Hmm. When I would screw up, he would stick up for me, and he'd be like, you guys are getting pissed at him, but you guys do the same exact thing. And he was right, because we were all doing stupid stuff. Yeah. And he had my back everywhere I go. That, that was my absolute ride-or-die best friend. Went everywhere I went. Did everything I did. I'd set him up with girls. He'd set me up with girls. 
if he didn't have money, I would cover it. If I didn't have money, he would cover it. And it's just like, it was a real best friend relationship. He would call me on like a Tuesday and be like, hey, I didn't see you over the weekend. How was your weekend? Just to kind of check in. I've never had a friend like that before. And um, he just sent me texts like, I hope you're doing well. He was a real ride or die best friend, like best friend I've ever had my whole life. And we rarely argued, but towards the end of 2021, we started arguing. He started saying, you have to be accountable for your actions, Derek. You're getting out of control. And then I'd be like, Keenan, you got to be accountable for your actions, too. I'm doing this with you. I'm doing these drugs with you. I'm drinking with you. I'm going to these same places with you. Mm -hmm. We're doing all this together. Yeah. We just bought these drugs together. And I just couldn't listen to him. But he was right. I was not being accountable for my actions. And that's when that conviction started to grow a little bit. But then he was like, Derek, if you're not going to be accountable for your actions, don't talk to me anymore. Don't hit me up. He blocked my number, deleted me off Facebook, blocked me off everything, so I couldn't contact him. Wow. And um, and I was like, maybe I do have a problem. So I would do good through the week. And then the weekend, I'd have someone hit me up. And when I had those parties in COVID, I met a lot of people. A whole lot of people, and I'd go to these places, and some of those people would be there, and sure enough, there'd be a drug dealer there, and I would just disappear for three days again. And every Monday, I'd be crying, or every Sunday night, I'd be crying, like, before I go to bed or on my way to work. Like, I can't stop. I literally can't stop. So October 2021 is when I stopped talking to Keenan, and around Valentine's Day weekend, I'm like, all right. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm done. But then we have a we have a gift card sale at work, and I get like an extra $700 in my paycheck. And I'm like, sweet, I got money. Mm-hmm. And I go out, get a whole bunch of drugs, disappear for three days. And um, I'm just so mad at myself. I think it was this day. Yeah, I... Um, so I went into work, and I'm like, "God, I can't do this. I need your help. You gotta. This is my. This is the prayer I said because I'm the straightforward kind of guy. I'm like, God, I don't want the Santa Claus Easter Bunny belief. You have to show me, clear as day. I can't mistake it as something else or a coincidence. It has to be you. You gotta really show me. And like reveal yourself. Like I, I don't want to. I don't want any sentimental fairy tale God. I, I want the real God. If you're real, let me know you're real. Yeah, and I had five minutes left in my work shift. I was at a car wash, and I'm like, oh, whatever, I'm just going to go home. I spray down the whole car wash, fill the buckets, do everything I was supposed to do, make it all nice and shiny for the next person who starts tomorrow, which is me. And I'm closing the door, and a lady pulls up. She gives me this little pamphlet, and it says, she goes, the Lord told me to give this to you. And I kind of put it in my pocket. I'm pissed because I have to clean this whole car wash again. So I'm start, I am wash the car, start sending it through. And then I open it up. And it says, win or lose in the front. When you play sports, depending on your works, is if you win or if you lose. That's not the case with Jesus. We've all lost the battle of sin. Mm-hmm. So we all lose. We all deserve to go to hell. Mm-hmm. You win if you surrender your life to Christ and you get a clean slate. And on the back it said... What do you plan to do with your life today? Do you plan to die from your sins or surrender your life to Christ and get eternal salvation? Or something like that. 
And then I had salvation prayer. So I kind of put wow. it back in my pocket, and I go up to her, and I was like, why did you give this to me? She was like, the Lord told me to give this to you. And I was like, I don't know what that means, though. Why? Did, why? She was like, I'm not sure, but I'm sure you know. And I'm like, speechless. <laughs> Absolute speechless. And I was like, okay, have a nice day. And since she leaves, and I close the car wash, I get in my car, and I read it again, and just this emotion just comes over me, and I start crying in my car. So I'm angry when this lady came in. Now I'm crying in my car. Wow. Because I asked God to show himself, and he was like, watch this. Uh... Kind of, scripture, yeah, scripture's in there, right? So, like, you're reading, you're reading some Bible verses. You're hearing the the the, the gospel message, and it it sounds different this time. Yeah, and I'm sure you heard your parents talk about it. You'd been to to church on, you know, even our church on an, on a you know on an Easter maybe or a Mother's Day or something, and heard part of that gospel message. But that day, that day it was different. That was totally different. I said, "What do I do, God?" I'm, because the, the phrase I heard was, surrender your life to Christ. I didn't really know what that meant. But then I read that, and it's like, okay, I'm going to die if I don't change today. Wow. And so God was like, red pill, blue pill, what do you want? Do you want to die or do you want to live? And I'm like, okay, I'm going to start following you. So I surrendered my life to Christ that day. I went about seven weeks without drinking or doing drugs or anything. And I go to this birthday party. I think I'm good. I think I'm, I can handle it. I got almost two months under my belt. So I go to this birthday party and I see my friend Keenan there. And I'm like, hey, I don't want to beef tonight. I don't want to have any trouble. I just want to have a good night. Let's just enjoy the night. He looked at me and said, when I said that, but he put his head back down and didn't say anything. So I went outside to go smoke a cigarette. He comes outside, and it's just me and him out there, really awkward. And he goes, Noda, you know you're still my guy, right? That's what people call me. Last name's Noda Rangelo, so nickname Noda. <laughs> and um, so I give him a hug, tell him I love him, tell him he's my best friend. Like, this, is, this sucks that we're going through this, and we squash the beef. And... Um, I just told him, like, when I left, have a good night. But I'm just sober at the time. I'm not really trying to fix the person that walked into all these substance abuse issues, got addicted to this horrible lifestyle. And um, next Monday, I'm getting ready to go to work. Get a phone call from someone. They're like, hey, Keenan died last night. Mm. So I... um, I went off the handles when he died. I didn't look at it like my best friend pushed me into the arms of the Lord and Mm. told me I'd have all these drinking and drug issues. I looked at it as, my best friend's dead. That person who used to hold me accountable didn't have me to hold him accountable. And he was hanging around with the wrong people too. So we both went on that wrong path. We, he hung out with the wrong people, I hung out with the wrong people. But I wanted to change. He was just with people who, they didn't care. They didn't know the Keenan that I knew. 
they knew the Keenan that drank and did drugs and whatever. And I went to his funeral, and it's something I hope no one ever has to experience is seeing your best friend in a coffin, totally lifeless, looks like a shadow of himself. And the only thing I'm thinking is, I wish I could have helped him. I wish I tried helping him, but I was so prideful that I was like, he'll eventually figure it out just like me. I did try helping him a few times, but we would just butt heads. And then I was like, whatever. But I did. I heard God's voice the week before he died. Like, after I saw him, I wanted to unblock his number and message him. Because we both blocked each other's number. And I just wanted to message him and say it was good to see you that night. But I was like, ah, maybe I shouldn't. But I still... God gave me the grace of saying goodbye to my best friend on good terms. Yeah. But it sent me on a spiral seeing my best friend dead in a coffin. And then I do good. And then I do bad. Then I do good. Then I do bad. But every time I did bad, my life just got out of control. Where I started learning why my life was getting out of control. Mm-hmm. Because I had Jesus in my life now. He was... Oh yeah, I mean you and I were you and I were having conversation. Jonathan, others at church, you were coming to worship, um, yeah. you know, on a, on a pretty regular basis, and there was lights going off, and you know you were you were coming aware of the goodness and the grace of God in a lot of fronts. Yeah, he, but there was things just happening in my life when I would do benders that my brain started changing. Something started changing inside me. And I just kept blaming the people and places. But then my parents went to Vegas in October. And they figured out I was drinking and doing drugs. And I stayed up for like three days. I was home at 12 o'clock on a Wednesday. Supposed to be at work. Mm -hmm. they're like, Derek, you have to go to rehab or get out of our house. Because you're bringing this home now. Mm -hmm. And that's when everything just kind of landed on my lap. Where I was like, this is me. Yeah. That's, that has a problem. There's no people or places. I'm in my safe place. I'm in my bedroom at my house alone. I went out and got those drugs and drank. So before I went on that bender, though, this was Jesus chasing me down telling me about to do a bad thing. Before I walked into that liquor store, the first born-again Christian I ever met, before my parents, before everything, mm-hmm. I was about to walk in, and he goes, Hey, Noda. And it's my friend Vinny, I, who I... I haven't seen him since. He was like, I just want to say I'm proud of you. I've seen what you've been doing. And then I went into the liquor store. And I did a Proverbs Bible study with my dad and my mother. And it said, God will give, God will warn you before something bad happens. <laughs> wow. And that was God <clears throat> warning me before I made the worst decision of my life. One of the worst ones. And... Um, he warned you, and you still went into the liquor store because I, I'm nodding along because like I know I've been there yeah, many times where the noise, like the obvious, like there's obviously a sign coming from from God and a warning, and yet you you recognize that and you just move plow right ahead with your sin. Yep. Yeah, your con- your conscience is there, but there's you know these voices and 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 some of them are lies from the enemy. Yes, <laughs> you know. What yeah. I mean? Appealing, you know. I mean, yeah. like even behind all that you're describing is just this, you know. There's this spiritual battle that is that is transpiring that no one can see with you know standard eyes, but spiritually you you see there's 
there's this battle for your soul and for the light. Um, anyway, I, I, we, we kind of cut you off, but Vinny, you run into Vinny, and he gives you this warning, and you still move ahead with your desires and your your yep. your, your, your parents, plan. My parents would go to rehab and get out of the house. Yeah. So I had a sponsor at the time, because I had that conviction. I went to a recovery meeting, and um, that was another God moment. I prayed for, I said a Bible study, and I prayed for a recovery meeting and a sponsor. By the end of the meeting, I had a recovery um and by the end of the Bible study, I had a recovery meeting. I went to the recovery meeting, and I met Don Nickerson, who became my sponsor. That night, he was like, I kind of wanted to talk to someone. I've been ta- I used to talk to someone every day, then multiple times a day, and then he, he just started getting better, so now he's out helping people, and I don't have anyone to talk to. And, and then I raised my hand. I'm like, hey, right here. I literally prayed for this. Last week at our Bible study and every yep. day this week. And he took my number down. We started talking. And uh, when... Christ-centered guy. I remember the day that... Yeah, I remember the day after that happened. Because it was, it, was, it was the summer. And you, you told me how, you know, how grateful you were for I God's answer. Couldn't be a better sponsor. He was a drug and alcohol counselor. He was a pastor. Mm. And uh, he had a sex addiction. So it was like... Everything that pulled me away from God, yeah, he can help me with. So when I met, when I slipped up in October, I met with him and I was like, I don't want to go to rehab. I just don't want that on my resume. I want to do this with Jesus. I want to do this all God, all other people. And um, he was like, well, people can do that, but you might need rehab. And I was like, I don't want it. I literally don't want it. And I can be pretty stubborn. So he was like, all right, you don't want a rehab? We're going to make your life like you're in a rehab. You're going to go to work every day, six days a week. Sunday, you can go to church. Good. Um, Six days a week. After, you're going to go to either, uh, you're going to go to the gym, and then you're going to go to an AA meeting or meet with someone from church, go to a Christ-based recovery meeting, talk to someone on the phone, Listen to sermons all day long. You're going to make your life like you're in a rehab. And you have to do a meeting every single day for 90 days. And I did that. But then I was like, I was guarding my routine again, just like before, except now I'm doing it the other way. I'm going the other direction with a routine. And then I started seeing myself change. And when I started changing, that's when... Everything else started changing in my life when things started getting better. When people say, like, you accept Jesus into your life and you get sober, not everything gets better right away. Right, right, right. The more you get better is when things get better. And I had to really dig deep on fixing the person that walked into all those issues. And then God just started, like... And I asked God to show me people, and God was like, I have more people than you can imagine. (laughs) Well, speaking of people, can I pause there and ask a question? Remind me where we are in the timeline at this point. Is this is this a year ago October or we're we're... year ago October? Yeah. Well, I'd like I'd like to just rewind just for a brief moment. Because I always get a kick out of this part of the story that I've heard you tell others at um, maybe it was at Celebrate Recovery or something where you're you're at, we were at the car wash remember and and you 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 you've surrendered your life to Christ you want it you want to join the church oh, rich yeah yeah tell them that story oh, yeah yeah um, 
So I was supposed to, I think this was a week before I surrendered my life to Christ. No, a week before I accepted vows. You were gonna. You were gonna. You, sure were, you, were, you were gonna. You were gonna join the. You were gonna join the church. We had. We had it scheduled, and yep. you're working at the car wash. And then what happens? Yeah, I went on a bad bender, and um, my I. That's when something clicked in my head. I embarrassed my family now. Yeah. Everyone saw that on the. Um, what do you call that? The bulletin at the church. Bulletin, yeah. yeah. Derek's joining today, but Derek didn't come. Yeah, Derek's and, doing drugs. He's out there being an idiot, and. So Wednesday, Rich Cobb comes through, and I'm telling him I'm having trouble quitting drinking. And he's like, fortunately for us, God loves sinners. Mm. And that really stuck with me, because I was like, really? I didn't really... I understood it, but it was it was very convicting. Yeah. Did you feel like others at our church... I mean, Rich was... Rich Nowazelski goes to our church, who just happened to be at the car wash that day, to tell you that God loves sinners... You know, did you feel like, or, you know, how has your perspective changed? Like, I'm sure you come into a church and, like, I guess these people all have it together. Mm -hmm. But what have you discovered about other people's struggles and sin? Everybody is broken at church. Yeah. Everyone has something that they're struggling with, whether you know it or not. But they're going to church to become a better reflection of Christ. And I heard a great saying. It says, uh... You have to refine gold seven times before it's a reflection. When gold is totally refined, it is like a mirror. And there's a saying that I have tattooed right here on me. It says, mm-hmm. fall down seven times. The righteous man falls down seven times but will rise again. Mm-hmm. So maybe it takes you seven times to become stuck on the other way. You know what I mean? Yeah. And... uh so going back to going back to October and just that process of saying, okay, we're I'm, we're meeting with, you know, meeting I'm meeting in recovery. I've got I've got good guidance. What tell me else, what else is going what else is going on? What do you mean? Well, in, the, in that in that fall, you know, you, you're 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 gaining you're gaining you know more momentum. What's God done this last year that you have experienced? Oh, the last year, oh man, every part of my life has changed. I. So, if you want to rewind from um, February of 2022, I was 14 grand in debt. I had no money saved. I had a 640 credit score. I had just totaled my car. So, my car insurance went up. I was fat and out of shape. I was on high blood pressure meds. I had the car wash job where Jesus started chasing me down at. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't really a lot of growth opportunities there. But when I got the job there, the first thing I saw in the window was the wages of sin is death. So, like, yeah, the owners there, was, they were Christians. there were Christian people there. Yeah. yeah. And um, I feel like God sent me there to get sober. But I had no plans moving out of my parents. I had sleep paralysis all the time. And I don't know if you've ever experienced sleep paralysis, but it's terrifying. Mm. Um,. I had, I, it's literally unbelievable when I explain this to people, because some people don't believe it, but I look at myself in the mirror every day. I had really dark eyes a year ago, a year and a half ago. I don't even know what color they were. They were just, there was no life in them. I had no life in my face. I had dark blue brown eyes with like some green whatnot, but they were just dark, really dark. Fast forward to now. 
All my credit's paid off. I have... All your debt's paid off. Your credit score's improved. All my credit has paid off. I have just about as much money saved as I had in credit. I have 800 credit score. My car is paid off. My car insurance has been paid off for a year. I haven't had sleep paralysis in a long time. Um, I've been off on high blood pressure meds for eight months. I'm in the best shape of my life. I have a great job with people from church. <laughs> How you deal with that, boss? <laughs> I have a great apartment with a great landlord. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> For all of you that and you know, have different no. color eyes, right? Yeah, and Is I have it? green eyes, now. bright green, gold eyes. Well, with some blue. But uh, for those of you that don't know, I work for Troy, and I live in his in-law apartment. So you've literally been so instrumental in my life that you've seen me go that far away mm-hmm. to this, that far away, this way. Yeah. And you've seen the whole transformation. You saw me at my darkest and helped me get to my best. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons I wanted you to tell this story was because I want more people to believe in the power of prayer. And I have been in the Thursday morning prayer meeting, and I have heard multiple people and others in in your parents' community group can testify of how they prayed for you. And I want to say this, too, that I I really appreciate uh, two things about Derek uh, in particular. Um, And maybe, John, you want to jump in and encourage him, too. But two things. I'll start with mine, and maybe you can share one as well. I, I really love how Derek, you you know how to ask God for things. And you do it in a way that is faith-filled and you anticipate an answer. You're not, you're looking for it. And it's been beautiful to see testimony after testimony. We could go on for another 30 minutes of you telling stories about how God showed up, showed his cards, showed his mercy, and you're giving him the praise, but you were asking for it. And God is so generous. He is so generous that we and we 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 miss it. But I heard this great Saint Augustine quote. Um, he was either this morning or yesterday about God. God is so gracious and He wants to give us so many good things, but our hands are full. And I think God said, you know what? I'm gonna make your hands empty, and I'm gonna give you faith. And you've been exercising that faith, and that is a deep deep encouragement to me, even for someone who's been walking with Christ for a long time. And um, so I I just want to thank you. That's been beautiful. And I do want to challenge other people and encourage them to think about the people that you want to give up on, the people that, um, you know, I I, I don't want people to give up on others. I want them to to seek the Lord and to love people, you know, John? Yeah, I mean, I was part of the Notre Angelo's community group um, where we were praying for it, Derek. I didn't even oh, know. Oh, wow, you were. I was part of that group, and I didn't even know who you were. I think you were living at the house at the time, and you would, ne- of course, not show up to the community group or anything. I would leave before you go would to leave, the bar yeah, before you so, guys got there. Yeah, you'd go to the bar or whatever, and like, I didn't even know who you were. And so, like, it's been amazing. I know. I Like, we'd be praying for him. I was like, I don't know who this Derek person is. And now, like, I see you every Friday. And that's the thing I appreciate about Derek is, like, I mean, I shared a little bit last week about my, you know, my depression and some of the, the things I go through mentally. And, like, some a lot of days, like, I'm just, like, well, you know, Fridays in particular, the week, the work week's over. I don't have much going on. A lot of those times I'm just, like, just want to just wallow in my misery because, my life's not going how I wanted to or whatever whatever is going through my head and so Derek started putting together this Friday men's Bible study which is right across literally right next door and like I'll show up just you know 
I might seem like I'm okay, but I'm not. And so I'll show up and, and have fellowship when otherwise I'd be at my house just, you know, wallowing in my mm. misery. So Derek's put together a great um, group of guys. We have Brian, who you know. Brian's um, a non-believer friend of mine. And so he, people are shuffling in and out, you know, week after week, new people, same people, just hearing about Jesus, talking about the gospel. And yeah. it's been a real bright spot for me. Like I said... Um, part of my problem is and part of my story is like when things get bad I just want to hunker down when things get bad mentally for me I just want to isolate and not do anything so like I don't really have that option on Friday nights uh, at least you know at this point and so that's and I hold you accountable he holds well I think I think too I think what you're what you're describing is is that there is this there is this at times this pull inward and I think Derek one of the things that God mercifully has done is that he keeps prompting you to look outward and you are pursuing mm-hmm. other people. I, I told, I told the guys, um, you know, at, at, at work who know you very well, I, I said, you know, one of the things, um, even when we were celebrating your one year of sobriety, um, awesome, re- recently over lunch, I said, Derek, you know, one of the things that I appreciate that I think is part of the secret to not, there's no secret or, you know, there's not, there's not a magical method. It's obviously the power of the transforming gospel of Jesus. But I think that you've been, you've been so dialed into that because you are seeking other people. Like you are reaching out. Derek, some of you know, uh, has a, a whole bracelet ministry. Like he's got, he's got, he's got bracelets that have scripture on them, but he's looking for people who need encouragement, people who are deceived and in a, in, in a, in a troubled place. And he is not being shy. He is being bold and, and testifying of God's work in your life. That, that's giving you life. It's not sucking life out of you to go and pursue well, people. to give than to receive. Well, there's, there's probably a Bible verse for that. There is? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm sure you know this. Come on. <laughs> and, and we really appreciate it, uh, John. Uh, we, John and I both appreciate it. I think, I think I'd like to pray. We should have prayed at the beginning, all this. But is there anything before I pray that you want to kind of close with? Sure. Uh, I just wanted to say one thing. God didn't give me his testimony to keep it to myself. He gave it as proof of his power, his grace, and his mercy. Where if every part of my life can change that quick, where I tried for 33 years to change all that stuff, and I just couldn't do it. 33, magic number right there. Mm-hmm. And um, I accepted Jesus into my life. And my life has just totally done a 180 where if you think you're too far gone, you're never too far gone. Yeah. And uh, just reach out for help. And if you don't ask for help, sometimes God will teach you by disciplining you. And um, there's a lot of great people out there who have been through a lot that can help navigate you better than mm. struggling. Yeah. Well, the, the Bible does tell us, too, that the Lord disciplines those he loves. Mm. And, uh, and I would love to help. Yeah. Take, go off a lunch, do whatever, do what people did for me at the beginning of my sobriety. He yeah. took me out for dinner and talked to me. I'll do the same. Thanks, Derek. Can I pray for us? Sure. Yeah. Father, thank you so very much for your sovereign mercy. Um, Lord, you, uh, you've done a great work, and you deserve all the glory and the praise and thanks. Thank you for praying, people. Thank you for praying, um, praying mom and dad. Thank you for our church. Um, loving and uh, supporting them and praying for Derek. God, thank you for the people like Don and uh, many others that you've put uh, in Derek's path. 
Um, thank you, God, for shining the light of your truth. And even though there were seasons when he wanted to resist the light of your truth and glory and holiness, that now he, he wants to be a beacon of light, a salt and a light to other people. And I pray you continue that, God. You would um, bless and encourage him as he seeks to to reach out and testify and encourage and equip uh, other people uh, on on life's journey. So thank you for what we've learned. Um, thank you for the things that Derek has taught me about walking by faith and trusting you um, by by faith and prayer. Guard and protect our brother. Uh, refresh him. Um, bless things like th- this Bible study that uh, he's endeavoring to do and the conversations that he has. As he seeks to be your ambassador, Lord, uh, help us as a church to as he seeks to be a disciple and an ambassador, help us as a church to know how to, to love and serve uh, and encourage our brother. Thank you so much. Uh, in the good and strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, everybody. This has been another episode of Grace Unfolding. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Thanks.